Welcome to the No BS Short-Term Rental Podcast, an unfiltered look into the global vacation and short-term rental industry. I'm Mateo Bradford. And I'm John Stokinger. And this is our podcast. We bring the right people to the table at the right time, giving you an inside view and take on the short-term rental industry like no other podcast can. Good morning, Mateo. How are you? Fantastic, brother. As usual, how what's going on in your world? How are you? Well, you know, in the week. Yeah, it's uh, week three at at Direct, so you know, exciting things. You just made the big announcement yesterday, so that's yeah. uh, you know, exciting. <laughs> Love the video. My, that was, uh, I come back with my guest with my G hat on. For, that was uh, pretty pretty yeah. hilarious. No, it was fun, man. Thank you for all your help with that. That was a. Uh, <laughs> No, it's it's good. Totally pushing me out of my comfort zone, as you know. Well, no, it was awful. Someone has to. Yeah, I know. I appreciate it. Season four, episode four, um, have a great guest. I want to dive right into it because there's a lot to talk about. The one, the only, Dustin Abney, CEO of Portoro. Thanks for joining us, Dustin. Yeah, Yeah, guys. Welcome to the show. Really excited. Uh, Appreciate you guys having me on. So, and we were talking before the show, we get lots of, we get lots of requests from, you know, different agencies reaching out, you know, sending, you know, we get these emails all the time. You should go ahead and interview so-and-so, or you should have so-and-so on the show. And I'd probably say four fifths of them. I'm like, eh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if it's the right fit because, because yeah. we're pretty specific, you know, we're not a tips and tricks podcast and there's a lot yeah. of those, you know, like get rich quick and then do all these different things. And, you know, this investor is doing this stuff with Airbnb and, you know, and they're all leading with that. And I'm like, eh, it's not really our vibe. It's not really our thing. Yeah. But when yours came through, I was like, oh, oh shit. All right. And I quickly hit reply. I said, schedule it. And I think it aligns uh, timing wise too, because you guys just like within a couple of weeks, you, you launched your, your first um, yeah. location. So I've, I'm a glad I'm glad that we we're able to coordinate and get you on. Uh, there's a lot of really cool things I want to dive into. Tell tell us about you know we, we always kind of talk about the story of like yeah. you know why vacation rentals and why you know short term rentals. You, you go back to you know looking at your experiences in in your you know you come into the short term rental space you know all, not too long ago no. I guess like twenty I don't know twenty. 18, 19-ish, yeah. But, but you know that personally, which is how a lot of people's story starts. You know, well, right. the, t- tell us about it. Yeah, yeah. So I'll even go further back. I grew up in a really blue collar family. My my dad's a general contractor. My mom helped run the business. So I've been in and around real estate and and swinging a hammer, if you if you will, nice. since I could walk. Um, so that's like been a, a really the foundation for everything. I found myself you know, in a job that I hated in the financial community at Fidelity Investments. And uh, my buddy, Austin, who I grew up with, offered me this role at a startup he called Dot Loop. And um, it was like, oh, this is really interesting. I didn't really love finance and, and all that kind of stuff. So I just took a flyer and, you know, massive pay cut and slept on couches and slept in the office, did a, the total startup thing and continued to immerse myself in real estate. And that was a SaaS company. It was it was really awesome experience. I mean, I think the trajectory of, of my life changed dramatically um, starting at Dot Loop, but it, it just widened my view of real estate and all of the possibilities that real estate as sort of a general industry could give me for whether it was personal or professional. And hey, real quick, 
Dustin, yeah. what for those that don't know, I know yeah. I know Mateos, but what was in what is dot loop? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the easiest way for people to understand dot loop is it's a combination of like a DocuSign, uh, which is online e-signature platform, a storage system like a Dropbox and a transaction management platform, essentially. And the idea was we're going to combine all those things into one and give real estate agents and brokers and teams a tool so that they could manage the transaction easier. I've used it multiple times. I'm sure I'm sure yeah. most have, have used some version of it. There's there's others that have come out since, but dot loop totally. at that yeah. time was pioneered the, the combination of these different things. Yeah, it was really the first of its kind. And we always joke back then we launched it at the worst time in like oh seven, oh eight when yeah. real estate was crashing. But I think it was also perfect time, right? Is like when people were really far away from real estate and looking at ways to optimize. And it, it was just, you know, really cool product at the time. Went through many changes today, still exists under Zillow Group. I think they've combined a few different brands. Um, but when I was leaving, I think back in 2018, uh, we touched something like 70% of every residential real estate transaction in some way, shape, or form. It was, it was kind of crazy to scale at which it got to. It was really, really cool. That's insane. 70%. Let's put that. That's, a, that's an insane percentage. But like on, you know, if you remember, if you could put that that hat back on, you remember like what was it? What is that in a number? Do you have any like is what is seventy percent of like how many real um, estate transactions like residential real estate? Gosh, I mean, it's millions. It's in the millions range for sure. You know, there's on every single listing, right? There's there's two sides. There's the buying agent side, the listing agent side, and and multiple offers. And you know, this is like we were ramping through after we got through the real terrible times of the crash, right? Then real estate just took off again. So the past decade or so has been crazy. Right. And I think we entered and we had, you know, Keller Williams as a client. We had, you know, Sotheby's. We had all these major uh, real estate brands that started to use our platform. And um, yes, yeah, so it, was, it was millions, millions and right. millions of transactions a, a year, which is which is insane. So, so that, you know, so dot loop, you're with them, your uh, dot loop was acquired by Zilla group, which you, yeah. which you mentioned, um, and now it's kind of changed, but it's still doing his thing. You exited Zilla group back in 2019. What was the reason for that? And, and where did you transition over to? Yeah. So in my time there in dot loop, and as, as we were growing, um, I saw, you know, some of the executives and professionals around me started to invest in second homes and, and, you know, the money that they were making. And, and my wife and I, we always traveled to this small little lake community called Norris Lake in Tennessee. It's like an hour outside of Knoxville. And we were renting people's houses on VRBO and, and it just sort of like clicked. It's like, why am I paying other people's mortgages? Like, why don't we buy a home and use it and then sort of just cover the bill? So that's how it all started was we had this dream of just getting our vacations paid for. It was it. Right. And so I bought this little junky three-bedroom condo that was actually bank-owned and, and we put our sweat equity into it like most people. And, you know, my wife, which was my fiance at the time, she liked to kill me because it was like right before our wedding, we're, you know, remodeling this thing. She's an interior designer. So, you know, obviously everything had to be perfect. Oh, yeah. Like days before our wedding, we had a booking coming up. It was like all those things. And it was like, man, was this worth it? Like, this is pretty stressful, like managing this business from afar. And then the money started rolling in, right? Mm -hmm. And we just literally, like it just, like a light bulb went off. It was like, wow, this is like really, really cool. Had this industry is changing. Airbnb was getting big. VRBO was huge already. And all these things were just like coming together. 
And, you know, I'd always had this, you know, from my experience at Dot Loop, had this really entrepreneurial passion with inside me of being at a startup. And we started thinking about how could how could I make this, you know, my professional career. And after Zillow acquired us, uh, it was amazing. I mean, Zillow is an amazing company, great leadership and culture, but I lost a little bit of that entrepreneur edge and, and that fire and, and started thinking about what could I do next? And I just kept it happens, you know, and let's, let's talk about that. Cause that happens during acquisitions, right? Like, in yeah. scale, and like when things change, especially with, you know, people who've been there, you know, in a legacy capacity, right? Like now talk, like how was that journey for you? Like personally, like yeah, once the acquisition, yeah, I, mean, I see it was exciting, but talk about that time for you. It was totally exciting. Cause you know, we had had all these aspirations of exiting, right? We building this company for so long and it's like finally this event, you know, that happened and, you know, it was, it was financially rewarding and just professionally rewarding to be part of this big company. But like all big companies, things start to slow down a little bit and you get wrapped into the larger strategy and plan. And so this like really fast paced growth and really entrepreneur type, like, hey, just go figure it out, do things, right? There's a little bit more red tape and right. there's a few more hoops to jump through. And, right. and not that those things are, are bad. They're all, all needed in a large company, but I've been so used to just the autonomy and, and you know, running things like how I thought they should be done. And so um, I just lost a little bit of that luster and that fire. And you either, you know, some people are built for it and some people are not. And I think I'm just built for startups. I like grinding. I like but I, I feel like that's like, I feel like that's a common story, right? Like it's like someone pours the water on the fire, right? Like when, yeah. you know, I, I just don't, I want to see a model that's different. Like when the company scales, even with the size of a company, yeah, get the red tape. Yeah, get the you know, yeah. you know, kind of, you know, addition of a broader, bigger strategy of what you're a part of now also. But like, it'd be great to see that creative energy not really tampered as, tampered with as much and to see totally. a model that really is like, hey, this is why you acquired us. We were on fire. Like, let's yeah. keep this going now with more resources and in a bigger pool. Like in the first I, year or so was like that. Right. We got a huge injection of, you know, resources of like, just keep doing what you're doing. Right. Mm -hmm. And grow to fast clip. And then that starts to fade out a little bit as you get wrapped into the, well, I mean, look at all the companies in our space, mm -hmm. you know, look at all the acquisitions that are happening. These are these bigger or this injection of money, you know, it's now yeah. funded and there's this, the, this, this backing, right. Hey, we just got a hundred thousand dollars or we just got a, a, you know, $2 million to go ahead and do what we need to do or a hundred million dollars or whatever right. it is, depending on the size of your startup. And you know, oh, these big thing. And you see like a company, they're like, they're throwing these huge parties and they're like, we've made it. And then it just yeah. like, and you can even see it in the product launches and the, and the, the things that they're doing is just not as much less luster. And I, I kind of agree with, with, I agree with both of you on this. It's necessary. Yeah. Right. You know, it, at scale, when you have the, there's there's red tape and there's and there's slowing down and then there's and there's well, if you're, if you're backed, you got to please the backer. Right? right. So now you got other you got money, people you have to keep happy. Mm -hmm. And I get it. And it makes sense. But, it, you know, is there a way to inject? And I, this is a, actually kind of a neat idea. You know, what is that yeah. model to, to keep structure, but also foster that creativity and what what makes guys like us like thrive like like we thrive in a startup environment 
Yeah. yeah. Right. That's right. where, where, yeah, there, and there's certain, and it's not for everybody. Some people would just prefer to go clock in, clock out. Right. They know what they're doing in the beginning of the day. They know what they're doing at three o'clock. They know what they're doing when they go home or if they're working from, doesn't matter. But yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. And, but I think you need both. I mean, no, have, exactly. I think to... there's a way to balance it, but you know, we're not going to solve it on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> you never, I mean, hey, man, look, you never know. Look at what we're talking about. I think Zillow uh, honestly did a pretty good job. And I think they do this a lot of brands. If you look at Zillow Group as a whole, right, they've got all these brands under them. Like Trulia still exists and, and Dot Loop still exists. So I think they're trying, but hey, they're a publicly traded company, 10, you know, multi billion dollar market cap. It's like, you know, maybe it's not going public, right? Maybe it's being private or something like that. But uh, anyways, it was, it, yeah, great company, great journey. And, uh, but I lost that luster, right? I wanted right. to, to be an entrepreneur or sit in that seat and come up with an idea and, and make a dent again. So, so yeah, so, you know, I was so basically thinking about my experience, my rental I had and, and what I saw in the market going on. I actually had a good friend of mine as well, who started a rental company in the Lake Tahoe area and saw them grow tremendously really quickly. And I did a little bit of operational consulting with him and hoped to help him out with some stuff. And so just put those thoughts and ideas together and really started to formulate what I thought, um, you know, the industry needed. And really that was how the idea of D. Alexander was born. It's, it's, you know, we, we started to see the culmination of, of what the SCR vacation rental industry was doing. We saw this, you know, hotels, professionalization, losing its luster. We saw real estate. I had been in and around like what people did with long-term rentals. Um, like invitation homes and those guys. And it's like, how can we think of something, you know, that puts all these puzzle pieces together? And so we formulated the idea for D. Alexander. And, and you know, D. Alexander, yeah, everybody sort of claims that they're the first of its kind. But to, to my knowledge, there, there wasn't many like D. Alexander out there, which was really a real estate fund and operating company and brand, like all wrapped together. So we sort of like took the hotel model where you have a brand, you have the operating company and you have the real estate fund owning the assets. And, you know, we thought let's professionalize the space a little bit higher level. Let's design every home, you know, with some consistency and some quality. Right. And so it's all, it's all purpose built. built. It's all. Yeah. Absolutely. Focused. So, yeah. So we raised some money and we went out and bought, you know, I think 18 homes across the country and, and we launched the Alexander as a brand. And it was that, idea right that thesis of how can we bring like hotel quality consistency and service into str world and um yeah so it was really just out of the passion and experiences and everything i saw going on around me and, and making a run at it yeah no, that's awesome so d alexander though you know your co-founder you're the president coo uh this is a short stint for you though yeah you know, what, what, what happened or was this, was this calculated or was it, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, in, in startup world, nothing is, is ever super calculated. Right. Change like this, but um, yeah, we operated the company for a couple of years. I think, you know, what I can easily break it down into is, is the founders had differing ideas as we faced a really big challenge called COVID on where to take the company next and what to do next. So what all of our personal aspirations were. And um, one of our founders was Austin Allison, my buddy who founded uh, Dot Loop. He went on to found Picasso. He had this desired passion to, you know, make second home ownership available to everybody. And so he parted ways. Like I met him at uh, 
I think he was in Nashville last year at, um, I met him there at a Amy High Notes a Darm conference. Yeah, so he co-founded, Austin co-founded Picasso with Spencer Raskoff. I think Spencer was there, maybe. Maybe with Spencer, um, I meant. Yeah, yeah, Spencer was there. But so, you know, that was his thing. He he loved the short-term rental market, but that was his passion, right? So he wanted to go do that. Um, so my other founder and I, Alex, we had differing ideas on on sort of where we wanted to take the company next. And um, really, it came down to we needed to raise more money because we were in COVID and both paying ourselves salaries, differing ideas. And so... I departed, you know, I, I wanted to go down this, you know, management space and, and really, you know, continue to build the operations and the management company. And, and my co-founder wanted to do more of like this travel, like, you know, packages and, you know, really focus on brand. Um, I almost think you know, he wanted to be the wander, the next wander, right. It's, it's yeah. super high investment in the property and, and lyric wander type thing. And, and I just, you know, that wasn't where my passion was. So I left and it was hard to leave. You know, I founded the company, the right. D and the Alexander is literally Dustin. My bud I was going to ask you that. It was Alexander. Um, so, you know, it has my name on it, but it's all good. You know, it's, it's, uh, it was the right timing for me as well. I've, I'm married. I got two kids, just moved to Charleston. It was like during COVID and yeah. it was like working a hundred hours a week. And, um, so I, I decided to depart. And at that time, Avant Stay was growing and uh, needed some more experience on the operations side. Um, so, you know, they knocked on my door and it was a great fit. Um, you know, they were just coming out of COVID looking for somebody to help them to grow on the operations sort of post-sale side. So, so you, the, the Avant Stay, you're the VP of Homes there. You're helping them grow. You're with them for a couple of years and, you know, did you just get another, you know, this isn't a good fit. Did you depart or was it like, I know Avance had some changes to structural changes uh, re yes. relatively recently. So at that time, you know, it looks, you know, August, you know, if I'm looking, I'm looking at your timeline, August, you departed Avance, but you're also here out of nowhere is a Fatora. <laughs> yeah. So, um, my my time at Avance was great. Um, so I have a ton of respect for them. And, you know, what I would characterize it as, you know, we started down, you know, one path with some big ambitious ideas. And, you know, it, it became very hard to focus and it was somewhat, you know, distracting. You know, we started off as a lease arbitrage and then we jumped into making a ton of acquisitions really quickly and launching a Propco real estate fund and managing right. hotels and, you know, multifamily. So, it was just like, oh my gosh, there's, you know, there's a lot to focus on and a lot to do. And my expertise and focus was really on sort of that post-sales operation and onboarding and design and, and all those kind of things. And it was really, you know, more mutual, I think, than anything. Um, you know, after two years there of grinding and working hard, and I think we both had a good experience, it was like, you know, we both need something different, right? I think they needed a lot of operational discipline around you know, the way that they were growing and, and you've seen the restructuring, it's, it's, you know, pretty apparent out there on, on the social platforms and stuff. And, right. and I was really looking for focus, um, okay. similar to the Alexander. I, I wanted to focus on what I was really passionate about. And really, if you sort of look at my experience there, what I'm doing with Portoro, it's a focus on premium homes. It's a focus on property management, you know, heavily local operations and, so it was sort of that same idea is like, how do I put these thoughts and experiences together in, in a platform that I think is right? 
And so started to formulate that idea. And of course, you know, as you're thinking about leaving, you're sort of formulating your next idea, right? And and the Portoro, um, you know, opportunity was was present there. So yeah, planned my exit, and we had a you know great transition period. They brought in some people to backfill. Um, so it was it was planned for for a bit, you know, a couple of months, and so I was able to jump out uh, with Portoro pretty quickly. I think Portoro is is pretty brilliant, and it, you know, there's a decent amount of of purpose built, focused uh, property management tech enabled, but you know, it's it's those that that can do it well. And so I, I guess I want to talk about you know your plans, and I mean, you're putting a pretty solid team together, yeah, of of industry veterans are coming in that know the space well to do and, and build something special. Um, and you're also not coming in, you're not starting off with an, an acquisition if, if I'm not, it, unless you are, I, di I didn't see that. Yeah, uh, so so actually our our jump into the market in, in Austin, Texas was with an acquisition of okay. the EM company. And so I'll just give you like the high level overview of, of what Portora is and what we're trying to accomplish. So, you know, and again, it's from looking at the space. What I see out there in the space, I'm sure you guys see a lot of it too, is that a lot of these big players are taking this homogenous approach to property management. They're treating all properties the same, all owners the same, all guests the same. And of course, over time, like the bar has risen in, in most categories of that. But where I feel like it's continued to, to lack is really the premium home category. You know, you've got you know, homeowners who own multi-million dollar second properties and they're getting service like the condo that makes $20,000 down the road. And the guests are the same, right? The guests who are paying $120 a night are getting, you know, service the same as the guest is paying $2,500 a night at a really premium home. Mm -hmm. And so you see this fragmentation and the disconnect going on there. And so Myself and my team, uh, we wanted to really focus on how do we up-level the experience of both the homeowner and the guest and the you know local teams of these premium homes and really give the service that, that they deserve. So um, that's what we're focused on. We're, we're focused on leisure destinations or vacation markets. Uh, we're focused on premium homes um, and usually large single family. And also... You know, one of the things that I've seen, you know, at experience at Avant Stay and seeing what happened with Picasa and all these, you know, acquisitions, right? We jumped out with an acquisition. And I think what's interesting there is that there are different strategies that you can take with acquisitions. For us, it's a way to enter a market, right? You know, organic sales is hard. Everybody in sales knows that like that first one or two homes or sales or whatever it is, is super tough. And so we know that there are great operators who have some of the same ambitions and, and sort of strategies, but they don't have the resources to take it to the next level or, you know, they just want to stay in their niche. And so what we want to do is, is come in and partner, acquire those and take their dreams and make them a reality, right? Inject the capital and the team and the experience and grow from there. So um, we acquired our way into Austin, Texas with Stay Local Austin fantastic owners of the company. They're amazing. Yep. They had a great idea, great homes. Look at the, you know, look at our website, look at the portfolio. They're, they're the best homes in, in Austin and Travis Heights. And um, so, so yeah, we're going to grow on top of that. You know, we're injecting all the great home amenities uh, into it, you know, luxury linens and bath amenities. And we're putting all the great safety stuff in there, like the noise aware and the, you know, ring cameras and, and all that kind of stuff. So we're taking it to the next level and and that's what we're going to do we're going to acquire our way into markets for the most part and uh jump off and and from that and grow organically 
I like this idea. It's there, there, are, there are others that are trying to do comparable, you know, that are, are, are coming in, they're, they're acquiring, and it, and it makes sense, you know, you, and especially you get a team, you, you, you find a company that is profitable, that, that just needs a little more injection or resource. There's actually uh, some, some cool investment companies that are doing the same, that are, are, but they're, they're not necessarily branding as Portoro. They're branding yep. as st- keeping the brands, but they're finding they're just injecting money into them and helping them yeah. with their operational side of things. So th- what's interesting about what you're all, you're all doing is you're finding these companies, but you're also focusing on brand. Totally. So there's, yeah. there's, you know, it's not just here's some capital here. Let's raise the bar, keep yeah. your mom and pop or keep whatever brand you have, which there's arguments to both, right? There's, there's yeah. arguments to stay local Austin or whatever that, that, that brand had established itself. And as a, as a key player in that market, I can only think of one other esque luxury brand in that, in that market that has comparable home, you know, but you're coming in and you're rebranding as well. So do you think that that's going to be, and, and I, I believe that it will, but overall, like the long game, that's the way to go. Yeah, I, I think you're right. There's, there's benefits to both, but the way that we think about it is, you know, we acquired Stay Local Austin partly because of their team and their portfolio and all that kind of stuff, but but also because of their brand, right? They created a really great local brand. They invest in, you know, local partnerships. It's it's all about Austin and they do it right. And so we're taking a long-term approach to our branding as well. If you look at our website or their website, staylocalatx.com, it's, it's co-branded right now. So we're Stay Local by Portoro. And that's on purpose because we don't want to lose the luster and the benefit of what they've built. But over time, right, we're going to introduce people to Portoro as a brand so they get familiar with what are we bringing to the table, right? We want to build that trust. We want to build that continuity. And so people will start assimilating Portoro with the same quality in Austin. We know it doesn't happen overnight, right? They built this this brand over time. And so with companies like that, we'll we'll co-brand and we'll make sure that people understand who we are, what we're bringing to the table on top of that. And eventually, you know, it'll be Portoro for sure. But that's our approach to it is that we think, you know, yes, there's like local brands that have value, but overall, I think travelers want to understand with a local brand, really what they're looking for is, is this company, somebody that I can count on that knows local, that knows Austin, that knows what I can do there, that the property managers are on the ground, the revenue managers are on the ground, right? There's that local aspect. I don't think they care much about the name, to be honest with you. Like they just want to know you're invested in the market and you know it well. And we're going to keep those things and invest in those things while leveling up the brand name Portoro. That's our approach to brand. I I like it. I think it makes sense. So Portoro, why Portoro? What's, why the name what's, Portoro? Yeah, what's the significance? I mean, we uh, we understand D Alexander. Like we figured that. Yeah, you, know, you told us <laughs> yeah. that. You know, I wish there was some super like sexy and cool story to the name Portoro, but there isn't. Um, no, I'm kidding. There's there's some there's some meaning behind it, right? Portoro, it's in its name and its meaning. It's a high end marble, but but it's meaned more. Like we've created more meaning out of the name. You'll notice on our logo, it's a portal, right? It's a doorway. And so, you know, that portal aspect, uh, we're combining like physical aspects of the home, but also this portal into an experience. We only, we know that really why people travel and rent homes in our space is because they want to experience something, right? They want to get away with their family, their friends. They want to experience a new town, um, all that it has to offer. So we're giving that portal, that doorway into an experience. 
and the homes are just the platform into that. So, you know, we've we've made Portoro more than just a physical aspect of the home. It's it's really a portal or a doorway into an experience. Yeah, it's a it's a culture, right? Like it's an it, it, exactly an experience. You say your doorway is always open, right? That's right. I love that. I love that tagline because now that puts the metal behind you guys having to make that experience actually be that. Right. Totally. Right. I mean, anybody can put a home up there. Right. And list it and, and host a, a home. And that's great. And people do a great job doing that. But for us, it's it's we're creating experience and, and we're going to commit to that and, and make a promise to our guests that the home is just the doorway. You know, whatever. After you step into that, you're going to get the real Portoro experience and we're going to show you concierge services and, you know, local experiences and all that kind of great stuff. How do you, so again, you're, you're new, you come in, you, you're this, you, you've acquired stay local Austin. Um, my assumption is you already have, you know, you're, you know, where you're going next or you're, you're well in your way, yeah. you know, what, what is a, a tech stack, you know, what kind of tech stack do you need to have? And you don't have to give away your secret sauce, probably <laughs> not secret for the people that are listening. Um, right. But, you know, what is TechSec in your mind to be successful in what you're trying to do? Totally. That's a great question. I love this topic because I came from a SaaS background, right? Dot Loopzilla, we built everything from ground up. And I think what, you know, the way that I thought about coming into this industry and, and you know, founding Pertoro and, and what we want to build is, yeah, I'm taking some notes from my SaaS background, but also... Our industry is flush with amazing technologies, and I think they're only getting better. So the way that we think about it is, let's use as much off-the-shelf, really great connected platforms that we can to get off the ground and only build what's going to really give us the ability to generate ROI, number one, or and be like the experience that we want. So you know, my eyes, there's a lot of great PMSs out there, right? It's pretty apparent what we need as a PMS. And and I think, you know, for me to build another PMS system, it's it's just a lot of money, right? right. And why, why build one from ground up? So we're using a PMS system today, but we're building on top of that. You know, we're using a breezeway today, but we're building on top of that. And for us, it's all about like, where can we get the ROI of building something ourselves? a great guest booking experience. You know, I think that's number one, like people want to book easily and have information at their fingertips. Number two is what I think is the biggest opportunity uh, on the homeowner side is a really awesome homeowner portal. We've all seen them out there and you compare that to something like you get with a home banking app or even Zillow. Like I have my home on Zillow. I know more about my home on Zillow than most of these homeowner portals. So I think that is number one is as we're looking at our particular category, these people are multi-million dollar houses and they get a paper PDF statement emailed to them every month. It's just not, you know, that doesn't create a lot of transparency and trust. So we're, we're building a really awesome, transparent, powerful homeowner portal that I just don't think that's on the market today. And then on the guest side, those concierge experiences, right? We want to be able to have somebody laying in their bed, just like at a hotel and say, boom, I want a massage and we deliver a masseuse to the door right. or, you know, I want my fridge stocked right before I get there. And we do that. And so we want to build a guest app that enables concierge experience, like, like a hospitality or a hotel company. And then finally operations is tough, right? We know in this industry, managing single assets that are miles and miles and miles away are hard for cleaners and maintenance people and in our, our property managers. So 
we're building technology to make that easier, scheduling and automation and, and all those things so that their lives can be as easy as possible. Um, so that's that's the way we think about technology. Yeah, they're singular complex organisms, right? Like every, they, they really are in that space, but there's so many things that go into and doing it right, right? Like right. it's, you know, profitability in this business comes down to being able to scale in operations correctly. I mean, Absolutely. using the right technology. It, interesting, like I love your strategy of, you know, use what's off the shelf and build on top. Yep. One of the problems we always hear about and always have to talk about is like, there's no common language in which to build off of. So like, how yep. are your relationships and how are you working with the, with the technology in the space to allow that to happen? Right. Because yeah, a lot really of people great. are like this and they're like, <laughs> right. ah, they're not going to let you do certain things. Right. So do you find like, how do you get those relationships that don't leave you kind of pinned in a corner? with nowhere to kind of build out of, if that makes It all sense. starts with strategy from the get-go and having a really good engineering team and engineering leader, right? It's like, what do we want? We know in the end game, we want to build off of a platform of great, you know, like we just said, great industry, you know, tools out there, but they need to be flexible. There are some systems in this industry that are super flexible, have really strong APIs that just flood with information and we can easily work with them. There are others that man, you just cannot work with them unless it's a direct integration. And even though like most people don't want to do an integration because they want to just keep you in their little atmosphere. Right. And so from the get-go, we knew that was going to be our strategy. So the tools that we're picking have to have strong API access and, you know, are investing in that type of documentation. And then it's, you know, it comes down to like the strategy of what we want to build. Like what can we start to peel off and insert in our own technology into um, is key because we all know, like you go down some of these paths, like with the wrong PMS or whatever, it's hard to get off of it. And yeah. listen, like, I'm sure we'll make a mistake and, you know, have to pivot of a platform. That's no doubt. But we're trying to at least pick the right pieces of tools that we know can be flexible enough for us to work with. And, and for anybody out there, it's like, there are different, you know, API companies that you can work with that'll help connect tools. Like you don't have to have your own engineering team, but you know, for us, that's that was the key. It's like tell all of our engineers and, and people working on our product, like we need your help to help us pick the systems to use today so that in the future it's flexible enough because they're going to be building in connection with it. Makes makes sense. I deal with this kind of stuff all the day selling our, our software, right? So it's uh yeah. you know, are are we flexible? Can can we work with you? Are are we are we building helping you build a foundation that you can, you know, it's a solid foundation for years and years and years. And there's a handful that are, and there's more that are not. We'll, we'll leave it at that. Yeah. The you know, Mateo mentioned profitability, and that's always an interesting concept, especially with acquisitions and coming in early and as in a startup. But I, I think you know you you have a, a really cool model that it's it's just a little bit different enough that that you know I, I you know when do you forecast you know profitability for you know for for yourself. And, and, and what, what, and, and a caveat to that is what, you know, what acquisitions or what, what uh, markets are you looking at uh, to help put you on that path to profitability? I'll answer that in reverse. So if okay. you think about, um, because it'll help, you know, think it, it, picking the markets and how we acquire and, and grow really is our path to profitability. And, and what we're looking to accomplish in the first, you know, year, call it 18 months, is to be in three to four markets that are differentiated. You know, as a as a CEO, I have to think about, you know, what are the cash flows of the business, right? What's seasonality looking like? And so I'd love to be in 
you know, three to four different markets that are sort of seasonal differenti differentiations. You know, we acquired Austin. It's an amazing urban market. It's got some seasonality, but for the most part, there's a lot going on throughout the year and it's pretty steady. Yes. I live in Charleston, South Carolina. Um, we're going to open this market. Like it's my backyard. I love it. It's a killer market. So we're going to have a Southeast beach market. I'd love to have a winter destination, you know, a ski destination, whether that's, you know, Winter Park, Colorado, Killington, Vermont, Stowe, you know, it it really, the location matters, but what matters Killington's more my me. hometown as I went to high school. Oh, is it? Sweet. Yeah. Maybe you can introduce me to somebody there. <laughs> Um, but, up there we can you know, it's, it's more about like, can we get these differentiated markets that instead of our business looking like, you know, a ski slope, it, it looks flat, you know, on the books. And so those are the market types we're looking at. We'd love to be in a desert market, you know, at Avant's day, I had great experience into Coachella and Palm Springs, and, and those can be really amazing markets or Scottsdale, you know, we just saw like the boom of waste management open and the Super Bowl being there and, you know, so we're, we're looking for those types of markets and, and we're really looking for the acquisitions to lead us where to go next, so long as it fits in those categories. Right. Well, it's interesting too, because real quick, Taylor, the, the interesting thing about that too, is, you know, diversifying your, your locations helps you in, in, in your seasonality also, you know, helps for when a disaster happens, like, oh. like, like, you know, you look at certain markets that they're, Hey, we're in New Orleans. And we're on the coast of Florida and yeah. we got, you know, 500 homes and they're all amazing. Well, great. But when something comes and hits you, you know, that's half your, your revenue is oh. gone. And now you're in all, all your revenue is now going back into rebuilding. It, it takes you out. And so, so putting all those eggs into one type of basket or one basket at all, you know, in a company like yourself and how you're trying to scale and grow just doesn't make sense. So I, I like your approach. And what most people don't think about is resources, right? Like we obviously have local and market teams and invest heavily there, but we have sort of what we call HQ operations, like myself and our revenue managers and all this type of people. And with that seasonality, you've got those dips and downtimes. Well, we can hire up at scale and keep those people pumping and busy across all markets, right? Because we don't have those seasonal dips. So our goal is obviously never to get in a place where we're cutting back or like, right, if we have a disaster, we have something shrinkage in a market. Those people have a lot of other markets that are booming and busting at different times to to focus on. So we think it gives us just a, you know a lot of differentiation and and um, you know balance sheet power. I think that's smart. So one you, you asked I about hear, oh sorry I go was, ahead and say one of the things I didn't hear is though like and thinking of Austin like specifically is like regulatory risk. Yeah, like how are you guys gauging that? Because like it's not fun in Austin, right? Like it's you know there are regulatory <laughs> issues in Austin or. I, I talk to companies all the time that are like, oh, Austin's a great market, but what's the regulatory issues yeah. like going around there? Totally. Um, and I live in in a very highly regulated market as well, downtown Charleston. I mean, there's like two streets that go east and west and, and it, like that's it, right? But uh, what I'll say about Austin and in a company that we acquired, Stay Local Austin, they have 100% licensed, like fully, you know, compliant um, uh, properties. And for us, that's a moat, right? Mm -hmm. If you yeah. get in there and, and you get, you know, a, a bunch of, you know, actual licensed permitted properties that are on the right side of, of regulation, that creates a pretty good moat. So that was very strategic for us. Um, also, you know, I think that in that market, you know, if we're going, given the premium service that we're offering, we're maintaining people's permits, we're submitting their taxes, like we're full service, right? We should be able to attract even more of those, you know, permitted properties. 
And so regulation doesn't really scare me in a sense, entering a market like that, um, because we're doing things the right way. And I think we're attracting the right type of people. Plus, if you look at Austin, right, the downtown market that's super highly regulated is only really one piece of the greater Austin right. opportunity. You've got Lake Travis, you've got Lake Austin, Dripping Springs. Like there's so much you can expand into right. that, you know, I think there's there's more opportunity than than there is, you know, sort of like headwinds on the on the um regulatory side. Well, and then focusing on the luxury market as well, uh, like most of that stuff isn't in downtown. I mean, there's some luxury in the downtown, but you know, you're getting it, these sprawling, you know, you know, mansions and lakefront properties, pools. And I mean, it's, it's gorgeous area. Yeah. And and totally agree with you. Right. We're, we're focused on big, you know, three plus bedroom homes. Right. You know, you get a lot of downtown stuff is one and two bedrooms. Right. And, and I think we've, we've got at least a large portion of the large ones, but We've got some opportunities like on Lake Travis, right? These seven bedroom mansions with infinity pools and a dock. And like, that's an opportunity. That's it's right. a massive opportunity. It's, it's beautiful out there. Playing at a different level. With different right. Man. Yeah. Trying to. Yeah. <laughs> so you're out, you're, you, you've, you launched with, with, with Austin. Things are going good. Yeah. We know, we know at least, you know, where you'd like to be. Do you have a, this is next location? Um, yeah, you I would can't say, say that's fine, but you know. Yeah, no, I I mentioned uh, Charleston is my backyard. Uh, Charleston's next for us. You know, I we've you know done the organic sales thing here. I've met with definitely a lot of homeowners, some some property management companies. Um, so I will put it on record now that I expect Charleston to be our next market. It's it's just fantastic, right? It's it's one of the number one markets in the country. I think Condé Nast, I don't know, maybe it's a decade, 10 years in a row. Right. Um, right. And it's like, uh, it's, it's my backyard. So we'll, we'll operate here next. That's awesome. I love, I love Charleston, um, oysters in Charleston. Like there's a, right. some of my, some of my favorite places are in Charleston and it's just, it's a great market. I mean, you have some decent competition. You have a, you know, uh, which is good, you know, this is good for you, but you know, you sure. definitely have some differentiators. There's a ton uh, of competition. It's a pretty professionalized market, yeah. I would say. There's, I think there's more professional operators here than there are, you know, those like single hosts who live and, and market their house here because most people who are buying here can afford to buy from afar, right? What I love about Charleston is you've got these different markets that offer something completely different that are right down the road. Like downtown right. is historical. It's got, the, you know, the love and the charm and all those kind of things. Then you go to Isle of Palms. And it's like a polished beach community. And then Folly Beach is sort of like this laid back, like hippie. Like super chill, up. like hippie kind of like, yeah. And you've got Kiowa and Seabrook, who like a resort communities, right? And yeah. then you go even further, you've got Edisto, which is like nature. So well, like the, the interesting thing that too is like Charleston's right in the middle of like all these amazing, you, know, you just go a little bit south, you're in Hilton Head. You oh, know, right. you go a little bit north, you're you're up in, you, know, you got your Myrtles and, your, you know, all that, you know, poly, you know you're poly up into Myrtle. It's just a real. I love that area. Like it's yeah, it's strategic to me. It's it's more it's more family friendly as opposed. Like you got you know this is South Carolina, but you know everyone thinks you know Outer Banks, Outer Banks, North Carolina. But like for me, I always think if I'm thinking like coastal Carolinas. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I love North Carolina. Like uh, there's certain areas in North Carolina that you know southern, but south of south of the Outer Banks for me. Yeah. Like that's totally. kind of where like my sweet spot's going down into South Carolina. 
Yeah, we we came to the Carolinas like growing up as a family, and you know, so I just always had an affinity. And what really brought me here is my wife went to school here, like we vacationed here, all this kind of stuff. And it is, it's like the best family vacation you can get for Midwesterners and East Coasters driving. Right. Coast. It's it's amazing. You can't beat it. We used to go. Our family trips were to North Topsail. Yeah. So uh, my Carrington's uh, neck of the woods. That's where we used to go. But I Charleston's my favorite now. Awesome. Well, congrats, man. I'm, we're super excited for you. Like, I'm really excited to see uh, Portoro, uh, you know, grow and scale. Actually, real quickly, let, let's talk about the, the team that you, yeah. you, you before we get out of here, you, you built, we mentioned that you built like a, a team of like a, a superstars, right? You know, you know, yeah. why the team that you have, you know, you know, they all have different strengths, you know, mm -hmm. but, you know, where do you think that this team is going to take you that just like building another team wouldn't necessarily. Man, team is everything. If there's anything I learned back in my startup days at Dot Loop and through Zillow is, is team is everything. You hire a good team, they build great products and services, and the rest is history. And, you know, too often, I think we see in our industry is people coming from the outside in thinking they know it all, right? And they can just solve all the vacation rental problems. And if you haven't sat in the seat, like it's really hard to wrap your head around all the complexities. And I've sat in every single seat. I've, you know, remodeled the houses. I've cleaned the house. I've done it all. And so I have its good perspective. And I think, you know, what I'm trying to do is, is bring in those people that have expertise in their field. You know, Kenny Ball, my SVP of ops, he's the best distributed operator, like in the industries, you know, turnkey at their growth period, Lyric, Avant Stay, you know, so he brings his perspective of like all these experiences at these different companies and he's learned a lot of things. Um, Yael, our, our head of sales, you know, was at Bacasa, um, Avance, build an organic team. She's seen, you know, good ways and bad ways and how to do it. So, you know, we're bringing all of these different people that have been at these companies and seen it done different ways and pulling those, you know, experiences so that we can do it right and do it, do it our way. And, and I think hands down, like industry experience is, is super, super key in our world. And, um, that's, that's really what I'm leaning on. Cause I'm humble. I don't know every aspect of the business to the nth degree. Right. And so I lean on my team to be little mini entrepreneurs in their space and in their, their category to go build what they need to do to execute on the plan. So I think we're building a rock star plan. And I think, you know, we're building a great culture. We're attracting great talent. We have a general application on our website. We get like five or 10 applications a day just from amazing people in the industry that have killer experience. So yeah, that's that's what it's about, man. It says a lot right there. You know, that's and that's what you want, right? You want oh. and, and it's hard, it's hard turning them all down because you only have room for one. And you're like, yeah. We just say, wait, not not yet, right? Yeah, not it's yet. Like, Let us get there. Let us get there. Yeah. Be patient. Are you That's are right. you in that hurt much of a hurry to exit your current situation? Some That's people right. are. Well, I know. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, and, and we know there's been changes and, and there's been layoffs and things that happen in the industry. And there there's good people that are really smart. And I wish we could hire them all, but um, I'll just say not yet. We'll get there. Well, thank you so much for joining us. You're going to be in Kansas City um, the week after this live. It, this this goes live uh, yeah. for us. Um, I will see you there in Kansas City at Burma Spring Forum. Um, let's let's get together. Let's meet up. And for those that want to learn more about Portoro, go to their website. It's linked on our page. Um, if you like our podcast, go to our Apple Podcast page. Leave a review. 
like five-star review, type in two sentences, like do us a favor, help us out there. We appreciate you. If you're watching us on YouTube and you see our ugly two mugs as in Mateo and mine, um, smash that like button, subscribe, and uh, tell your friends about the podcast. Until next week, thanks. Appreciate you, Dustin. Dustin, Thanks, guys. Love your podcast. This podcast is a Hospitality.fm production.